0: Hey, this is Pastor Doug, and I am thrilled today to be here with my friends Mel Friel and Joan Lotz. And they are here to join me in a conversation about paying attention as well as a conversation about praying with scripture. So, Joan and Mel, good to see you guys. Thank you guys for giving your time. I appreciate you being here for this.
1: Yeah, good to be here. Thank you. Yes
0: welcome. Um, I'm going to start by just saying we're going through chapter six and seven, and I'm just going to take us on a very quick summary through chapter six and seven. Chapter six is about the value of cultivating attention. And in it, Susan talks about the importance of attention. Um, She talks about a chance that she had to be part of the DSM. And as the DSM is the diagnostic um, um, manual that psychologists and psychiatrists continue to use. But in 1980, they started first adding attention and attachment disorders. And obviously this is what her book is a lot about um, paying attention and and cultivating attachment. She had a um, line here in the 2014 Time magazine. I just think, wow, this is eight years, nine years ago, but Time magazine in 2014 said there is there are no signs that the forces splitting our attention into ever smallest smaller slices, will abate. And I think we can say nine years later that Time magazine was incredibly prophetic when they said that, that there is a lot that is splitting our attention. Um and Susan used the term weapons of mass distraction. I thought that was a I thought that was a good line. Um and she says the increasingly abundant and predominantly secular mindfulness literature addresses a number of these issues of attention. She brings up this idea we've we've heard this If you've been paying attention, this has been a big issue in the last four or five years, this idea of mindfulness. And Susan is talking about all the different themes and the ways that people are cultivating mindfulness in in a way of kind of trying to interact with the lack of attention that we're seeing. And she sees a lot of this mindfulness as sort of taking very ancient old practices and sort of stripping away the religious and spiritual connotations and making them palatable for a more secular audience. Um, And she asked this question. She says, you know, these are such key elements to the Christian faith. She asked the question, have we kept this light so securely under a bushel that people must seek it elsewhere? Obviously her book is trying to celebrate that these ideas of mindfulness are really just ways of praying and meditating and that they can be very deeply spiritual and deeply refreshing. Um, So, Susan, I also appreciate it. Susan talks about the word attention, that it means to bend toward. And so when we pay attention, we are bending toward. And lastly, she quotes one of her teachers, Robert Bella, who's a professor at Berkeley. And Robert Bella says, attention is how we use our psychic energy. And how we use our psychic energy determines the kind of self that we are cultivating. And here's what Susan says. Christians are called to direct that attentive energy to the one who is the bread of life, the living water, the word that was in the beginning with God. More than attentional practice, this is soul cultivation. And the practice that Susan talks about is the next chapter, and she talks about praying with scripture, what we might call Lectio Divina, or what other people might call an Ignatian type of prayer. This idea of praying with scripture, sometimes with creativity, sometimes meditatively, sometimes reflectively. There's all different ways of doing it, but prayer with scripture, with psalms, with gospel texts, with some of the wonderful stories and ideas and images, but that praying with scripture is a deeply beautiful thing. Um, Kathleen Norris wrote that as a book of praises meant to be sung, the Psalter contains a hope that human interest stories tacked onto the end of a news broadcast cannot provide. And Susan talked about her mom praying a psalm a day in the morning, and she wrote that her mother breakfasted on hope. That's what praying the psalms is about. And I am so thrilled to have Um, Mel and Joan with me and I just wanted I know that you guys had a chance to read this chapter too was there anything that caught you in this chapter anything you noticed anything you wondered as you read Susan's words about attentiveness as well as praying with scripture
2: I guess the first of those two chapters was the one on attentiveness and before I even read the one that talked about praying with scripture I thought this is so much what happens um when you add scripture to things it just that and there was an earlier chapter also on listening and i thought those both of those things were really applicable to what we do when when we use scriptures as part of the prayer
0: love that mel what about you what did you notice what did you wonder
1: i uh liked your description of attention and attentiveness Uh, Very much. One of the things that caught me was, is that because God attends to us, we are made to attend to him. Mm -hmm. So I really think that that is something that we do each time we sit down in prayer. We are giving ourselves that opportunity to attend to the one who attends to us. We're listening together. I liked your definition of mindfulness. Mindfulness is a receptive attention to and awareness of present events and experience. And so you Mm -hmm. allow yourself to slow down and be in the present. And I feel that that is so important to a prayer time or a quiet time, whatever length of time you can give to it.
0: Yes. Amen. I love that. Well, I have brought you guys here just because I know that this praying, with scripture is a really key part of the Ignatian prayer exercises. And I happen to know that you guys started this um, a few years ago, and I'd love you to talk about just how you started it, but you started exploring these ancient, you know, 500-year-old practices of prayer and scripture and reflection. And the two of you started this together Um and with a with one of your friends would you tell me what got you into the ignition prayer exercises and then i want to hear about how that has um, impacted your life in the last few years
2: we had a friend our friend marla who just had written to several of us and said i've had this experience with a brief experience with the ignition prayer and i want to go through this whole procedure which was about 8 or 9 months and i'm looking for some people to do it with me and it was just at the beginning of the pandemic and I thought sounds like something I'd be interested in and just we I kind of jumped into it from from there
0: so Joan you said yes Mel what caused you to say yes
1: I had a real sense that I needed a freshness to my experience of prayer and even an approach to to scripture uh, just a real more focused. When I we had the pandemic, we weren't going anywhere, so it was it really fit into my my sense of schedule and need very much. Also, I liked the fact that it was going to be continuous and that it was going to be in company with others.
0: Yeah, and so you guys started this what almost three years ago? Is that right? Yeah,
1: in the fall of twenty. 20- 20 maybe
0: and you're still doing it we are so tell me what has it been like i mean it was this was going to be eight months and you're still going what what is what has this been like and um tell us what what it's been like and and give us a little taste of what the ignatian prayer exercises are because they might sound intimidating but they aren't but but you guys have i mean I, i know at the beginning you were putting almost an hour a day into these reflection and exercises and prayers it's a It's a time, it's a, it's a serious time commitment.
1: Yes. When you're actually doing the exercises, this eight or nine month period, you get a spiritual director or someone who leads the group and they provide you materials on a weekly basis. It's something that uh, has a certain format that allows you to be attentive that you, you collect your attention and, follow really four or five very easy stages through each 45 minute to an hour prayer time, and then you journal. So it it was a, a chunk of time, but I found it well worth it.
0: Yeah.
2: And I think what I found was that it's a format that works for me of sitting down, kind of getting centered. Um, it's almost like, you know, God, you're. You know how somebody else can be in another room, and you say, "You know, can you come and talk to me? Can I talk to you?" And getting yourself centered, and then I guess I always ask myself, "Okay, God, what is it that you want me to know from what I'm going to read today? And what's important?" Or, but I find that if I have some scripture, it focuses me. Otherwise, my te- my mind tends to go off somewhere else and I have to keep playing so that that's part of the process that I think continuing on even has been has been really helpful is that is that ability to focus I find also that Mel mentioned writing and that also helps me focus if I jot down some of the things that come to mind as I as I take the time it takes some time Mm -hmm. to you know it's not something even now that It's not something I can do in five or ten minutes in order to listen to what is in the scripture. It does take some, a little bit of just sitting and, and waiting.
3: Yeah.
0: But I want to know, with this focus you guys have had on scripture and praying with scripture, what has it done in your life? How has it impacted you?
1: I wanted to comment on that once you have kind of brought yourself into the place where you're going to have your time of prayer and you kind of embrace God and let him embrace you, then you may... You may have a prayer that opens you to say something like, "Lord, help me to, to know you better, or show some, show me what you want me to see today." During the actual studies, when you did the lect, what you could call lectio divina, mm-hmm. but it's an imaginal prayer. So, we would be given maybe, say, the the woman at the well
2: mm-hmm.
1: as the scripture, and you are invited in the Ignatian practice to imagine yourself as one of the characters in that story. Yeah. So you can be the woman, you can be the disciples, you can be Jesus. And as you read it, you put yourself into the story. When I was doing it in that first year, I was so actively engaged in that very way that I Actually, I had an imaginary person almost. I had a, an alter ego that traveled with Jesus. There was one morning I remember going, oh, my gosh, I'm going to move to Capernaum.
0: <laughs> and I was
1: so excited, and I loved the, the marriage of Cana. And I actually, one of the things that happened during the last, the the what we think of as Holy Week, Mm -hmm. Was actually six weeks in the Ignatian prayer exercises. And one of the characteristics of it is is that you do repetitions. So if you had the woman at the well, you would go there, you know, the next morning you would get up and reread the scripture, redo it, re be in that space. So that had a very strong impact on me. I started to mention Holy Week was actually we had 6 weeks instead of 1 week of holy week so it was i mean actually physically i began to my my blood pressure went up my heart rate increased i i, I was ill with grief by the end mm. of it because the last week is actually what the catholics call holy saturday when oh. jesus is in the grave
2: mm-hmm. so
1: i imagined Him being taken down off the cross, going with being one of the women who went and washed his body. And we, you know, seeing Mary weeping. And then we had a whole week of Jesus in the tomb. And you couldn't even talk to Jesus in your prayer time. Wow. So, yeah, it was very um, intense in some ways. Mm -hmm. It, It has moved from that. But I'm going to stop there and see if Joan wants to comment about what it was like for her during there.
2: Well, it's, it, I think it's just a way of making those stories that we've heard a lot of times more real and understanding what was going on um, during them. And I find that I think we use the imagination more initially. There's still times when when it is helpful to go back and think, you know, if I was there, what would it be like, or what was, you know, the other thing that I sometimes go back is, hmm, I wonder, wonder why this particular story is here, and what's, you know, if I, you know, what's the lesson for me from this, and some of that comes from putting yourself into the um, into the story. Um I find it also interesting sometimes, and it's not something I can you know know is going to happen, but sometimes I'll think, hmm, if this happened today, what would it be like? You know, if where would um John the Baptist? He'd live up in the mountains somewhere in the Cascades, you know, and sometimes that helps me understand what was going on. So there's 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 parts of what we did during those first few months that still continue on. But I think it's part of it for me is just the taking the time to Mm
3: -hmm.
2: say, you know, what stood out to me? And you know, what does and, and I often have to read the passage several times. You know, the first time you think, oh okay. I know this story and then you sit with it for a while and you read it and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, i have never noticed that before. I wonder. And, you know, Carrie's really good at those wondering questions and I find myself doing the same thing. I wonder about, so, and then I find I didn't have to kind of sit and, and ideas will, will come to my mind. And I appreciated what you said last, I think it was on Sunday maybe, about I don't know <laughs> don't always know we don't know but you know there's a lot there's a lot in the scriptures, I think more than we sometimes think we think this is a story we're all about but I don't really know.
0: it sounds like it's been a very powerful time it sounds like it's been a very interesting time how how have you guys been impacted how are you know it's hard it's hard to answer that question but how do how does life feel different because usually we talk about prayer you know, I think most of the time when we think about prayer, most of us sit down and say, well, we have a kind of a grocery list of things we want to tell God to make sure he remembers and then and then say amen. And and you guys are talking about a wholly different type of prayer, a, a, an abiding prayer, a, a word-based prayer, a, a dwelling in scripture prayer. How has that impacted your life? How has it impacted who you are, do you think?
1: Well, it's such a different way of Praying, It's certainly not. You you haven't brought your laundry list or your grocery list. You get to, you're in conversation with the one who made you and made your feelings, made your thoughts. We spent time, I remember back when uh, we were doing the Sacred Pathways, I think Becca gave us that welcome prayer.
0: Mm -hmm. Welcome,
1: welcome welcome I welcome all that comes to me today yes for I for my healing my growth and my being and so it's more entering in in that way sometimes you have to start from where your thoughts and feelings are I have some mornings not been able to concentrate on the scripture or the um, sometimes in the exercises it would be an actual meditation like one of them was called two banners where you imagine that you're under the banner of Jesus and the gladsome company and you're all traveling together in this wonderful joyous company or whether you're under the dark banner of the enemy's forces where mm-hmm. it's all about twisting your mind twisting your life making you not the best person that you are called to be in in the lord and the emphasis of ignatian exercises and way of prayers the notion the idea the truth that god is equipping us and calling us to be the best version of ourselves Yeah. so sometimes times that means well often it, it you need to bring the person that you are to the time mm-hmm. of prayer and sometimes i maybe have had a a bad dream or something that has, is troubling me, and i have to write that out first. And just ask the Lord, what, does, what, what do I do with this? Where do I go with this? Yeah. I find there's a great deal of power in questions also. In a story, for example, we're at chapter four of Luke, and so we're going, you know, like a half a chapter a week. And the paralytic, the one that's lowered through the roof, You get to ask so many questions every time you read a story or your experience of feeling or thought, you get to ask questions. Why did it happen like this? How was the man feeling? How were his friends feeling? How did the Pharisees feel? What were they thinking? What was Jesus feeling? And you can move your own feelings into that and begin to let the Lord help you have peace with your own, maybe not good feelings or peace with your own sins and letting go of that, letting go of the burden of a bad dream or an experience from the day before that didn't go the way you wanted it to. You, you bring the scripture and kind of apply it to yourself and the stuff that's happening. You don't know what will happen.
0: I, I love that because I mean, you're talking about how it's impacted you, but it's impacted your prayer life. And it sounds like it's also impacted your understanding of scripture and your understanding of encountering Jesus in the scripture. I'm so glad that you guys said yes those few years ago. I mean, what a rich time. Joan, how do, how do you find it impacting you?
2: One of the things that it did for me is it just helped me realize what kind of a person Jesus is, what kind of a God this is that we say we believe in. You know, what are the character traits that I see over and over and over again? Because what what we've been doing since the Ignatian thing was taking like the book of, we're in Luke now, and just you know, reading through it sequentially, and all of a sudden you see, I don't know, you notice all the different kinds of groups of people that Jesus is dealing with. You know, and you think those are all people that we need to be dealing with, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's outcasts or whether it's people who are poor or whether it's people who are um shunned, or whether it's the rich people, you know all of these just time after time. And so I think I'm gaining a, a broader understanding of who this God is. And then from that, I look at Jesus as, here's an example for me to follow try to follow. Um, there's, a, there's, there's a lot to learn a lot to, a lot to live up to. But well, you know, you also see a God who's very compassionate and loving, mm-hmm. over and over and over again.
0: I, I expect that most folks in our church are not going to say, "Hey, I can I can put an hour of my time away a week and go through the Ignatian exercises," but I want to start praying with Scripture. Do you guys have any encouragement on? on what you would tell someone who is just going to start on this? Any ideas of any thoughts that you have on how to start praying with scripture?
1: I think that if you even have 20 minutes, and it sounds odd, but I will actually set the timer on my watch, because what it tells me is is that I can stop being on the treadmill, the gerbil wheel, the repetitive thoughts and say, all right, at this point, I am now actually going to bring whatever it is of myself to this time with the Lord and take the scripture that, I mean, maybe you're going to read the Psalms one after the other, or maybe you're going to use the sermon notes. But you don't have to cover a whole lot of material. That's not the idea. Read something and sit with it and maybe do it a second time and bring your feelings to it and then be quiet for a little while and ask the Lord, how does he feel about it? What are your thoughts, Lord? And he will often tell you over and over again, you are his beloved. But the most important thing that you can learn and carry in today is that he, he, you are his beloved and he's yours. And that can be, you know, 20 minutes or half an hour or 10 minutes, but to collect yourself in one thought and do that.
3: Love it. Love I,
2: it.
1: I think it's also helpful. Just there's something to be
2: said for a habit. So, mm-hmm. you know, OK, set a time and say, okay, I'm going to try and do this for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever is appropriate so many times a week. I, that's helpful to me to think that. And I think it's been helpful also to be doing this with some friends so that there's a little bit of, of accountability there. And and uh, that's, you know, we, I think, become a, a good support group. For each other. And it's been fun to come together after having all of us looked at the same scripture and saying, I noticed this or that. And somebody else say, yeah, I did too. It's like, oh, what? you know, that's, and that happens quite often. Other times, you know, one person will have one experience and somebody else will have something completely different. So
1: it, it's been an interesting, an interesting journey.
0: It sounds so rich. Mel?
1: And I think it's really safe to say you can ask questions, for example, and expect answers. One of my favorite questions was uh, when we did the passage with Peter, how Jesus sits in the boat and teaches the people on the hillside because it's so such a huge crowd. And then he says, oh, Peter, let's just go on out and put your nets down. And Peter says, okay, we didn't catch anything, but I will. And then all of a sudden he's just swamped. His nets are just gonna break. And I'm like, what's with all the fish, Lord? <laughs> how come? How come Peter's response was to fall down and say, Oh, you're gonna have to leave me, Lord, because I am really a sinner. <laughs> How do those two things happen? So you ask those questions and you're not necessarily going to get the question, the answer right that day. But the next day, if you go back to the same piece or thinking about it or talking about it with your friends, they will have a very interesting answer. And it's rich. There is, I also want to say that if there's someone there who might think that they could start in the fall and, and give five days a week, this 45 minutes to an hour that our friend usually starts a new group every fall in September. So it would be available Wonderful. if there's any killer.
0: So there are yeah. chances, there are chances there or in other places, the Ignatian exercises are almost as always someone else starting that. And it's a rich, it's a rich thing. Mm-hmm. I have really grown to love St. Ignatius. He was not someone I learned about early on. And I think he is incredible. We, we, we do remember that he is a soldier. Some of that, some of his soldiering sneaks into his exercises, but it means that the exercises are portable. We're able to take them. They they fit with us, I think, in the circus better than possibly like other monastic exercises. There's something that is accessible to those of us who live in the circus, but have been able to take 45 minutes away and to pray with scripture. Thank you guys so much. We're going to hear Pastor Kerry share a little bit about helping out, and what it, what we can do for our younger disciples as they imagine how to pray with scripture. Hey, I'm here with Pastor Kerry, and we're as we think about this idea of, of paying attention and praying with scripture, um, Pastor Kerry, how would you imagine doing this for a family, especially a family with younger kids? What, what does this look like, do you think?
3: Well, I think that noticing God's presence starts with paying close attention to the very moment you're in. And with kids, the best way to do that is to go through their senses with them. So you can do it wherever you are, whether you're driving in the car or at a table, or you can take a walk. It's really fun to do out in nature. And at that point, you can look at what are you smelling? What are you seeing? What are you tasting? What are you touching? What are you hearing? And you can do that with your kids and then kind of pause and recognize that all of that, all of that experience is held in God's love and wonder about God loving you in that moment. I also would like to talk about what it looks like to pray the Lectio Divina with kids. Kids can do this really well, and we have laid the foundation for it in godly play um we don't do the whole lectio divina process in godly play but we first f- certainly do the first step so when you think about lectio divina with kids think about reading thinking and you can even put your hand on your head with your kids and you can hold the book with them and tell them you're going to pray with a scripture and you're going to read and hold the book hold the bible Then you're going to think, put your hand to your head. Then you're going to pray, put your hand to your mouth and talk about, you're going to talk to God and then put your hands to your ears. You're going to listen. So when we think about Lectio Divina with kids, we think about read, think, pray, listen. And in the reading part, we do this in godly play. When we hear God's stories, after we hear it, we ask the children, what part did you like the best? What part was the most important? That's reading for understanding the text. And then in the thinking part of Lectio Divina with children, this is also a godly play question. Where am I in the story? You can ask the child. So they know that question. Where where would I be in this story? And then go through the five senses with them. If you were in this story, what would you see? What would you hear? What would you feel? What would you smell? What would you taste? And then pray through the story with them and tell them we're just going to talk to God about this story. We're going to ask God questions in our prayers and we're going to ask for help uh, and give God thanks like the people in the story might have done. But we get to do that ourselves with God in this story. And finally, talk to your children about listening, wondering what. God taught them or taught you together share what God taught you and listen to what they say God taught them in the story I just also want to add that in godly play this week the children will be learning the story about Jesus calm, calming the storm I think this is a, a accessible story to pray with children so you can try that story this week yourself And we'll put the scriptural reference to that story in the chat, but I also will include it in my weekly email.
0: Pastor Kerry, we thank you so much. As well, today we were going to get a chance to hear our scripture. This is the scripture we've been sitting with, this wonderful scripture, which we find in the Gospel of Luke, just so happens to be the one that Joan and Mel are studying. They're going to get there in a little while. Um, But let's hear this verse of scripture read. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village. There was a woman named Martha, welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you care that my sister has left me to do all the work myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is a need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Let me just close with the encouragement. This is the rule, the brief rule that Susan found in this monastery in Big Sur that she goes to and became an oblate. Here's what she writes. Sit in your cell as in paradise. Put the whole world behind you and forget it. Watch your thoughts like a good fisherman watching for fish. The path you must follow is in the Psalms. Never leave it. If you have come to the monastery and in spite of your goodwill, you cannot accomplish what you want, take every opportunity you can to sing the Psalms in your heart, to understand them with your mind. And if your mind wanders as you read, do not give up. Hurry back and apply your mind to the words once more. Realize above all that you are in God's presence and stand there with the attitude of one who stands before the emperor. Amen and amen. And join us next week. Next week, we're going to be going through the next two chapters, which are on attachment and spiritual direction. And that's actually part of the Ignatian exercises as well. So we're going to look at what it means means to live a cultivated life that's attached and how a spiritual director might be able to help us. We'll look forward to seeing you next week.